Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. If you're seriously hurt in an accident, you'll want all the money you deserve. That's called justice. But there wouldn't be lawyers if justice was easy. No, justice is not easy. It's fought for and it's won. At Brown and Crouppen, we fight for justice every day. If you want some, call 222-2222. Because at Brown and Crouppen, justice is our business. Rise and shine, St. Louis. It's the Ryan Kelly Morning After on KPN-TFM HD2, Collinsville, St. Louis. At the Morning After STL on YouTube and on TMASTL.com. With Tim McKernan, Doug Vaughn, Iggy Strode, The Plowboy, and Action Jackson. 707 in St. Louis, you're listening to the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Welcome to the Michelob Ultra Studios. It's the Munganass St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, 7 o'clock hour. Come on in, friends. The water is warm. The EDF group text inbox, 314-881-TMA5. And you're welcome to email in for our design, air, heating, and cooling email today, the morning after at InsideSTL.com. And, Doug, you said, let's just do phone calls today. And I said, that sounds like That's a perfect it. way okay. to celebrate a Jim Dandy in Columbia, Missouri on Satterspin. Well, that was quite a little afternoon, wasn't it? Best Mizzou game I can remember in a while. Yeah, Gabe and I were texting about that this morning. I'll I'll, I'll pose this query to you. Oh, Best my. Missouri win since? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Best game at Furrow Field since? Question mark, question mark, question mark. We were in agreement on one, yeah. and uh, we had a different perspective on another. Was that Oklahoma game that they won? That's a nice play. Yeah. I got one sooner than that, but that's a nice play. Uh... I don't remember one sooner than but no, beating Florida was kind of a big deal, I guess, at the time. Was that last year, the year before? Uh, I, I kept thinking about that Oklahoma game. Is I would it, say it? my answer when the Colonel and I were texting this morning, the Colonel will join us, presented by James Carlton, coming up at about 9. Uh, and you can read his thoughts on powermazoo.com. Uh, best win since beating Arkansas in 2014 to clinch the SEC East. Best game since beating Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M, albeit they were a bit of a shell of themselves, comparatively speaking, to their 2012 year in 2013, which won the SEC East uh, in 2013. Either way, before Mevis's kick, I was thinking to myself, this has been, and the broadcaster said it, this has been a classic. It really was a classic. You don't mm-hmm. you don't see that too often. Uh, this early in the season, non-conference game, an 11 o'clock game, but it truly was. Up until halftime, I thought Missouri, both from a coaching standpoint and an execution standpoint, couldn't have done much better. No penalties. No yeah. penalties. Uh, Brady Cook looked outstanding up until he got injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luther Burden is a star in the making. He's beyond in the making now at this point. And uh, I thought the play calling 
was so impressive, and here's why. Clearly, they had laid dormant in the first two weeks. It was a strategy, and you didn't see Brady Cook run much the first couple of weeks. I believe the first couple plays for Missouri was Brady Cook running. Then they opened up the offense. He was able to execute it. He played his best game both before getting hurt and then, to his credit, after getting hurt, he was able to execute. Uh, That was incredible. But the thing that stands out to me from a big-picture perspective is Missouri hasn't been 3-0 since 2018. And what we've talked about so often on this show, what I talk about on, on 101 and what I talk about on my podcast is one of the issues Missouri has is any sign of optimism the program has is usually deflated by the time you even get to September. And therefore, the momentum is destroyed. And so if you can have a win like that early in the year and a schedule that could, you got to capitalize on it, could get you to 5-0 and heading into LSU, what that can do both short-term for the program but long-term is invaluable. And that is what that was about on Saturday afternoon. And uh, it was incredibly fun to watch but incredibly important big picture as well. Yeah, it was a great game to watch. I was screaming at my TV at the end of the half. I didn't like the sequence of offensive plays Mizzou ran at the end of the half. I think the score was tied. Cook takes off running, goes out of bounds, gets hurt, hobbled. He's on one foot. They bring in Sam Horn. There's about a minute and a half to go, and they're about at the 35-yard line, 40. Every chance to get into field goal range again. And they just ran the ball up the middle. All of a sudden, they started running out the clock. Was that not the perfect time to put Horn in and say, all right, Mr. Rifle Arm quarterback, throw it deep. We get a, a completion. We got an easy field goal or a score. If it's intercepted, all right, they've got the ball at their own, what, 10-yard line with no time left. I thought they went way too conservative just on that last drive. And I, I guess once Cook got hurt, they were afraid to do anything. Must have been what it was. Uh, let's see. For, for This is a minute and a half left. Missouri's leading 17-14. to 14. Brady Cook pass incomplete. Pete run for one yard, Cody Schrader run for three yards, and Missouri and punted, right? punts. Yeah. Right. So Horn wasn't in that. He went in. He went in one play when Cook got hurt. I think he played two, uh, one or two plays. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he just handed it off. Yeah. And I thought Pete... if Cook is hurt, the half is almost over. Get him ready to go for the second half. Don't put him back in there and throw the ball deep. What the heck? What do you got to lose there? They might have gotten a field goal. They wouldn't have needed the heroics at the end. But, you know, it worked out. It worked out. I, I was also screaming at the coaches because they thought the downing the ball, the second down was six seconds to go. They thought that apparently meant they had a timeout. Well, that was... <laughs> they, they treated it like, well, we get a timeout now that we down the ball like that. I think what I take away from the coaching on, on the front half of it is the game plan, the execution. I thought Eli Drinkwitz up until 59, you know, maybe 57 minutes of that game outcoached a really good coach in Chris Kleiman with Kansas State. Uh, I thought Chris Kleiman's play calling at the end of the second half was more egregious. Uh, but taking it from the game planning, I think, again, that it was strategic to lay dormant with the offensive playbook in the first couple of games, which was kind of ballsy considering the Middle Tennessee State thing. Uh, and the play calling really... I mean, if Brady Cook doesn't get hurt, I think they win that game comfortably. Now, keep in mind, Will Howard got hurt for Kansas State as well. It's important to contextualize that. 
what took place at the end of the game, and I mentioned the zero penalties at the half, and then the two delay game penalties in the fourth quarter late in the game, uh, the timeout after a first down as they were driving for the drive that led to the Mivas kick, that's, I mean, those are, those are huge mistakes. Those are huge mistakes. And had they lost that game, that's what people would be talking about. And honestly, people would be talking about uh, making a change at head coach because of it. Uh, and I don't, and I, and I, I don't think that that would have been right, but I know that that's what would have happened. You can't have that happen. Uh, calling a timeout after a first down when you only have one timeout left with 35 seconds, you can't have that happen. Uh, so it cuts both ways. I thought the coaching and the preparation and the execution in the first half was outstanding. And the fact that they didn't have any turnovers was outstanding. Can't say enough positive things about it. But the delay of game thing, I mean, that is, that's, that's up there with, you know, the Tony LaRusso, Blance Lynn. I didn't know you were going to be out here. I mean, that was such was in the restroom, wasn't a mistake and uh, that it was seven seconds left because I've gone back to watch it multiple times now. He realizes that they're not going out there to either kick a field goal or run a play. And, uh, you know, the best case scenario, they came out there and then they, after the delay of game, ran a play with six seconds left and uh, had the ball knocked down, which may have been the best-case scenario considering, yeah. uh, can you expired. imagine time time run, yeah. run out? I realize you got a 61-yard field goal. You're not expecting to make that. But then Mevis does come out there. Here is a guy who has had so many issues, really dating back to missing a 20-yard field goal that would have won the game against Auburn last year on the Plains and uh, just freed up, I think, because I don't think many people are expecting him to make it. He's freed up. And uh, here is the call of Mike Kelly on Mevis's kick. Hit the lever penalty. One of the best calls, by the way. 61-yard attempt from Harrison Mevis just to the right of the left hash. Out of the hole to Luke Bauer with three seconds to play in regulation, tied at 27. Good snap, good place. Kick is up. It is... How do you do? Oh. Mike Kelly. Couldn't be a bigger fan. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Harrison Beavis, but and I was before, just because he looks like they put a uniform on one of the other players' dads. I mean, he looks like he's 45 years old. The fans were about to walk him out and take his scholarship away a week ago. <laughs> so this is good yeah. redemption. I like to see a kid kind of get that, get his mojo back. They could probably... They, help him throughout the year just i mean that's a 61 yard bomb that would have been that, good from another three or four yards it's insane probably. to think about i think you're correct i heard that him in one interview say he made a 75 yarder in practice once yeah. he said he had a tailwind behind him but he made it from 75 that's yeah. kicking from your own 35 yeah luther burden give him 25 touches i mean pete and schrader are fine but i would just do wide receiver screens load the left side or the right side and just had that be a running game I, I, just to, he is so good. I mean, he, we talk in the. I, I think he could be in the NFL right now and be a good slot receiver. Yeah, you put a little bit more weight on, but that that mm. that happened when you get to the NFL. Like he is a legit threat. What did I you think of the, of the fans storming the field? After? I thought it was just ridiculous. But oh, again, it was a big ass win. But it, it, it's it's week two. You we don't really fully know what K state is, you know, they could lose the two of their next three and be unranked. You'd kind of look back and go, well, it's just a, 
a little bit of above average team. We see get the storming in the field to me is not choreographed. You're caught up in the moment. Yeah. It's not about you're playing Kansas State. It's about a 61-yard field goal in a game that had been so tense, so intense, and you have that happen. You go from absolute despair and booing justifiably so, not booing Brady Cook. I think the goalposts were moved on that postgame comment. We'll talk about that. Uh, not booing Brady Cook, but booing the play calling slash delay of game, inexplicable delay mm-hmm. of game, second one in five minutes in the final five minutes of the game, which is on coaching. And uh, and then you have a guy hit a miracle 61-yard field goal. People just didn't know what to do with themselves. Furthermore, uh, this isn't uh, this isn't obviously Alabama, LSU, Georgia. This is a program that hasn't had a win of this caliber in, I think, uh, nine years or a decade, depending on what your perspective is. And, and if you go back to Oklahoma in 2010, 13 years. And so for it to end that way, I, I, let me put it this way. If K-State throws an incomplete pass in a 35-27 game, 35-28 game, nobody's storming the field. It was the way they won the game that led to that. Yeah, I have no problem with it all. Part of that is just the emotion of the college game. And if you run onto the field and you keep your hands off the other team and you leave the officials alone and you're just happy and nobody gets hurt, I think it's absolutely fine. I think I worry about the safety aspect of – I mean, I've been in college. I, I've been a drunk college kid. I mean, when you run out there, just that you have that libido. You may say some say something at the wrong time to a team that just lost to a 61-yard field goal. You worry about that thing. But I would love to run out on the field. So I, I just thought, yeah, I, I'm I'm with Tim. I didn't think about the emotions of things. It probably wasn't choreographed. Yeah, I mean, if it were, just, if it was like a 35-30 game, you know, a 10-point win, whatever. That that doesn't happen. If that happened, then I'd be like, oh, that's a little weird. It was the way that it happened. People were just so stunned. And it wasn't like a – I don't even know if they would have done it if it was a 25-yard field goal. Yeah. You know, it's a 61-yard mm, field goal. so long. But that's fine. I mean, that comes with college sports. You sit there and you litigate and, you know, who said what in advance. And then it's just social media, whatever. I mean, How many people do you think were on the field there? Like 20,000? I think they had that many. I think they had that many. 15? 10 to 15 probably. Jackson, were you in Columbia? No. Why not? Oh, I thought you were gone. I thought you went to that. Oh. Game. I wanted to. It was tough to get tickets, man. Sold out game. Was it? Yeah. yeah I didn't want to pay absorbing the amount for it because I know I'm going this week and then I'm going to the game against LSU. So I thought 11 a.m. game on Saturday. I'll sit at home. Where did you watch it? You watch it at home? I watched it at home with my friends, yeah. Oh, uh, private citizen Pete, yep. oatmeal, no. and herb. Oatmeal? No. Oatmeal's in Germany. Uh, of course he is. MPK and private citizen Pete. MPK. Is it any harder to get tickets at the stadium, like right before a game, since there are no paper tickets anymore? No, no, you can. They just, yeah, that's. I know not. you can transfer, but do you believe everybody? There's still paper trusting. tickets. <laughs> There's still paper. When I went to the game against Middle Tennessee State, I had a paper ticket. Did you? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. No, I watched it at home, and uh, yeah, almost lost my sanity when Drink took a delay a game penalty, mm-hmm. thinking that I guess he took a timeout that could have cost him or me, and then yeah, the, calling a timeout after a first down was. Strange, but hey, listen, I've been an outspoken Brady Cook uh, criticizer. I've criticized the, the guy, and 
he performed better than I thought he ever could. I mean, such progress in what he's done. The exact same play that Luther scored in that big 50-yard touchdown was underthrown against Middle Tennessee State and resulted in a 30-yard gain as opposed to a touchdown. He threw that ball in stride to Luther for a touchdown. The screenplay to Luther was outstanding. Just truly, that was a game that I did not see coming for the Tigers, but hope to see more of throughout the season. It was amazing to watch the line move. It kicked off, depends on your book, but it had gone from K-State minus five and a half to either three or three and a half. And people say, oh, Las Vegas. It's not Las Vegas. It's people all over the world who run these algorithms, and that's what it, Las Vegas doesn't move. The, Las Vegas moves the line in response to the smart money, and the smart money, totally counterintuitive to what we saw from the first two weeks from Missouri, was on Missouri. And you obviously saw what happened. The thing about that game, and again, this is, this is uh, I suppose, hypothetical, but up until the two delays of game, and I don't know if I would say the first one was on Eli Drinkwitz and, and the coaches, the second one certainly was the, the one that was right before the kick, I thought that was such a well-coached game and an illustration of progress for the program that I was feeling like if they lost, which I totally expected them to lose when it was 27-27 mm-hmm. and K-State had the ball, didn't you? I yeah, mean, oh, yeah. I, I went yeah. Because my wife was at an event, and so she didn't watch it, and we watched it actually last night, the final few minutes, just because she hadn't seen it. We both went to Missouri. And watching that when it was 27-27 to with K-State with the ball around midfield, my expectation was, and it was, that, that fullback. How often do you see a fullback catching passes? But he was so damn good. I can't recall what his name is. Sinet? You know what I'm talking about? 34. Uh, Sinet? I thought he was a fullback, but he, he, he looks was. like a tight end. Yeah. He's a fullback. Oh, sorry, so he's a fullback. So he's downfield, and Howard, I believe it was Howard, they bring in uh, the, the running quarterback, the freshman, but this was Howard, who was beat up also just like Cook. And he kind of throws it on his back shoulder, making him turn around. If he ca- if he throws that ball properly, K-State's at the 35, and that game is most likely going K-State's way as they kick a field goal with time running out because they would have just grinded the clock down. But because of that, and then Missouri's defense ratchets it up with some pressure on third down, and then they, they have to punt to Missouri. Uh, at In that moment, I'm thinking, okay, even if this goes to overtime, this is, it's not about wins and losses. That's why when like Gabe, for example, but certainly other fans as well and observers of college football, he's got to win six games or he's got to win seven games. It's how you do it. It's how you do it as well in college football. And from my standpoint, that game had already shown a leap by Brady Cook, certainly, and a leap by the coaching staff from the play-calling standpoint. So had they lost, I would have been saying that, and it would have certainly been unpopular. The delay of game before the extra, or the field goal was, that's coaching malpractice. Uh, mm-hmm. Using the timeout with 35 seconds left after a first down is just, you know, that's, that's concerning. Those two things are concerning. Um, but... That's not what happened. They got the win. They got a signature win, and it keeps the momentum. Now people are talking about Missouri, both locally and nationally, and that's what the program needs. That highlight on a crappy weekend of college football got played over and over and over again, and that's what you need to build the program. You have to keep that momentum. It is critical that they win games that they're a touchdown favorite, six-and-a-half-point favorite against Memphis, which is not a gimme. That is not a gimme. Memphis is 3-0. and 
and uh, and win in Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt lost this weekend to Barry Odom's UNLV team. You do that, and it sets the stage for the possibility, after LSU went into Starkville and beat the hell out of Mississippi State, a 5-1, and one, I believe they'd be 5-1 and one LSU team against a 5-0 and oh Missouri team. But Missouri fans know. You feel like you've got great progress, and then you take a step backward. And so it's important to capitalize on this and not have a misstep against Memphis or Vanderbilt. Brady Cook's health is incredibly important. Uh, now you understand, I think, why Chase Daniel, when he did the interview, said, hey, I was in camp. Brady Cook is clearly the guy. But we certainly didn't see it in the first two weeks. We saw it on display uh, this week. And, you know, here's a guy who played through a torn shoulder labrum last year, uh, could clearly run it when he had the opportunity to do it. And to his credit, he was able to execute, not just on the long ball, because that was blown coverage in the K-State secondary. He's got to hit that pass. But the the pass that he hit over the middle that set up the 61-yard field goal would have been 56 yards. That was, I mean, that was a that was an inside slant route with coverage, and he executed that. That to me was was the best pass that he threw. I mean, that was absolutely that. There was no chance to kick a field goal before that, and he was able to pull that off under pressure and lead the team down the field. Um, that was just so damn impressive. Yeah, the way he played should put an end to the conversation. Thank Who should you. be the quarterback? I, I don't think that's a question anymore. I mean, he's. He's not going to make anybody forget about the Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence, but he's got to be considered at least a, an average or maybe above average SEC quarterback. He's certainly better than anything Alabama's putting on the well, field. Well, I got to right tell now. you, I mean, it's, it, that's across the board in the SEC at the yeah, moment. There's nobody that looks this a whole lot a, better. Uh, this, this is Jaden Daniels is the only one in the SEC that looks really dominant, which is why Georgia had its issues. Yep. Uh, with Spencer Radler uh, and in South Carolina before pulling away. That was a 14-3 game. I don't know how many people were paying attention to that. 14-3 game at the half with South Carolina leading at Georgia. And that's a South Carolina team that didn't look real good against North Carolina. Uh, and then you have Alabama, and that's just a, that's, that's quite a situation. They had been in the top 10, I think, for 128 straight weeks of college football polls, and that came to an end. They are out after having to win 17-3. to uh, against South Florida in a rain delay game in Tampa. And Tennessee was number 11 in the country. Kind of thought that was the play to short this year, Tennessee. So you saw them lose in the swamp. You saw the Gators lose at Utah. Uh, this thing is perhaps as up for grabs as it's been in a while. And that's not to say it's Missouri's place to take. It's just an observation on the SEC is how they're playing now and also non-conference. Missouri's win against Kansas State is the SEC's best non-conference win to yeah. date. Yeah. And there's some other teams near the top of the rankings that, that haven't really set the world on fire either. Florida, Florida State, State nearly lost to BC. Yeah, Boston County could have lost that one. I brought up Ole Miss two weeks ago as a sneaker play. I think Jackson Dart and the Lane train, I think they're a I mean, they're right in it. They had a, a great win. Your Illinois club took another drubbing. I mean, I, I told you that wasn't going to happen. Penn State's good. Yeah. Penn State's really good. Illinois is not that great. It's a bad weekend for me, but it was fun to see. Everybody well, lost for you. Yeah, it was fun to watch the— uh, You weren't rooting against Missouri, were you? No, it was a good game. Yeah, I always root for Brady Cook. I'm a huge fan. I hate how they bash him. And you, you got to think about maybe it being the playbook the last year or so. The dude can play, but like well, Deacon and, and Duncan Drinkwitz on the field. wasn't calling the plays last year. That's when he when Looked Bush fantastic. Hamden was, who yeah. left to go to Boise State. Uh, he was he, he was freed up and he was outstanding. And again, he was doing that with a, 
I mean, a torn shoulder labrum in his throwing shoulder. Holy crap. Uh, He's tough as nails. I love him, man. He'll hang in and make the throw and take the hit. I mean, there's a guy, and Gabe wrote about this. It's a great column on Power Mizzou, and again, he'll join us. Brought to you by James Carlton, 314-961-4800. Draw line at carltoninsurance.net. He's my insurance agent. He's the Plowhawks insurance agent. And he's got 325 five-star reviews, and he is a big Missouri supporter. I bet James is as happy as can be, and he'll be in oh, studio yeah. in the 9 o'clock hour. James Carlton online at carltoninsurance.net. That here's a guy who grew up, and all he wanted to do was play for Missouri. And when I think, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but when he signed to Missouri, people were like, oh, that'll be great. You know, he went to Chaminade, nice. You know, probably will never play, or maybe he'll get to play yeah. here and there. And now he's the guy. And certainly has gotten a lot of criticism. Um, I don't think one performance erases that, but he performed in the most important game of his career at an A-plus level while hurt. Uh, I mean, I, that, that's the. I looked at the spread, not the spread, the money line at the half, and I'm just sitting there and I'm, I'm watching the game, and I'm and I see K State's plus 130, and I'm going, and, and Missouri was up 17 to 14, and I'm going, you know, if I didn't have such an emotional investment in Missouri, I would bet K State all day long to win that game. Why? Because Brady Cook was hurt. And I just didn't think he was going to be able to do anything in the second half. It takes the run out of play. And so I thought, inevitably, K-State is not going to fear Missouri's offense. You saw how Missouri came out in the second half, which was with a handful of you know, nondescript plays and a three and out. And I thought, well, that's it. They're going to lose. And that sucks because Cook and the coaches and the team had executed well enough to win that game in the first half. And now they're going to lose a game. Uh, and in, in major part because Cook got hurt, and from my standpoint, clearly they aren't a fan of Horn. They're not a fan of Horn. They just think higher, higher of Cook. And and then, to his credit, after a bad third quarter, he was able to to lead that team. I mean, the throw he made to Norfleet down the sideline, the tight end, that's sick nice catch to see. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sick catch. That, that they have some tight end uh, production, but the throw was outstanding. I mean, it was... Really impressive how he was able to grind through what was a knee. I thought it was an ankle initially, a knee, and lead that team. And like I said, the throw, I believe, his final completion, that was so clutch over the middle. He doesn't do that. That game goes to overtime. Who the hell knows what happened uh, at that point? Well, we're kind of programmed to expect heartbreak when you watch Mizzou football. So you so don't want to see a Memphis loss. When they, you know. But when they win a game like that, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. It all worked out. It hardly ever always works out. That was that was what made it so so special, I think. Yeah, you were expecting that kick to get blocked and run back. Yeah, and something then the game like is that. over. Bad snap. Oh my god. So the, flag, the, flag, mm-hmm. the, the flag was that K State had two number eights on the field. Right. It's a shame. I understand, you know, the, I don't recall obviously, you know, it's an SEC network game, so you're not necessarily trotting out the A plus lineup, but I thought they did fine. Uh, I I thought the color analyst was right on because K State I think had three touchdowns called back on just absolute BS calls. Mm-hmm. The guys were already in the end zone. It's like eh, it always makes me wonder when spreads are weird and strange flags are thrown. Uh, and I like that the color analyst was calling uh, calling that out. But the play by play guy was in a tough spot because there was a flag on the field. I thought Joe Bucks had done a great call on the kick return or the punt return for the Jets and Bills last week by saying no flags on the field. The play by play guy has an obligation to say there's a flag on the field right after mm-hmm. 
the kick goes through the uprights by Mevis. But as it turns out, that flag was K-State had two number eights on the field. Right. So had Mevis missed it, Missouri would have gotten to kick it again, and it would have been a 56-yarder. So how about that? Fun yeah. fact for no one tell. But he was in a tough spot because he saw a flag or his spotter saw a flag, and he's got an obligation to see it. So for the first 30 seconds after that ball going through, I'm thinking this is going to be brutal because they're going to have to take the team off teams off the field, and there's a holding call on Missouri, and, you know, God only knows what happens after this. How is it you don't have enough different uniform jersey numbers to go around for the guys that might play. Yeah. I mean, from 1 to 49, you can be an eligible (sighs) receiver. And from 80 to, what, 89, you can be an eligible... There's not enough numbers in there to spread them out. Yeah, that I mean, well, you're going to lose a game over that. Offense and defense can have the same number. Like a guy who plays wide receiver and a cornerback can have the same number. They just can't be on the field at the same time. But we talk about how boneheaded the delay a game call was for drink, but it's equally boneheaded to call a timeout and then send two guys out there wearing number eight on yeah. the game-winning yeah. play. It just it, it, there is so much game mismanagement at the end of games and this isn't limited to Eli Drinkwitz. Now that would have been up there with a, with an all-timer. Uh, and you know, it, it goes without saying that had they lost the game and had that, you know, of course led to Mevis missing a kick that he makes, I mean, I don't know how many times he makes that 15% of the time. Uh, and it's a 61-yarder. Uh, that is the focal point this morning. It would have been the focal point yeah. for Missouri fans and justifiably so. So that does the result doesn't erase it. Uh, but the best part about it is you learn from it in a win. Kind of like you learn if they did from Middle Tennessee State that that was a wake up. Ideally you know, some Missouri fans are thinking are irritated that they're not in the top 25 yet. Surprised by the spread against Memphis. The spread against Memphis from my standpoint is right on. I would put that right at around 7 points. Uh, Memphis is is not a walkover, and Missouri is not a world beater. But Missouri ideally carries the momentum into St. Louis. Hopefully they can get 40,000 in there on Saturday. And go in and take care of business, beat them and beat Vanderbilt, and set the stage for what could be another setting like you had in 2010 with Oklahoma. If LSU can win their games and Missouri win their games and LSU has Ole Miss and Arkansas and Missouri has Memphis and Vanderbilt, get college game day to Columbia. The Red River shootout is that same day. If Oklahoma and Texas are both undefeated, I would imagine that's where they would be, but uh, if the, one of them were to stumble and Texas had problems with Wyoming, you were making reference to mm-hmm. these, Texas had problems with Wyoming. Yeah. The stuffing Wyoming team beat Texas Tech in week one and, and went down to Austin and held on uh, with, with Texas. But uh, that could set the stage for getting college game to either way, barring debacles the next two weeks, you get out of that stupid-ass 11 o'clock time slot and you get people from St. Louis and Kansas City and throughout the state down there and you create an atmosphere where people want to go to games and it's not an 11 o'clock thing where people go, ah, I'm going to pass on it. You get a 2.30 or 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock kickoff and you get Brian Kelly and he likes to grind on recruits mm. uh, down there. And you do that before the game. That's yep. correct. Yep. That's correct. That's what he'll do, a little 360 camera. Right. And you mm. and you create an atmosphere, and that's what college football is about. We just haven't had all that much of it around here, with the exception of a handful of years over the last 20. And that, that atmosphere... You know, we talk about uh, some of the confusion at the end of games. Some of that, 
I don't know how much, but some has to be attributed to the fact that you got a field full of players who haven't been through this. You know, some of them are you know a few months out of high school. The veterans have played a couple years is all, as opposed to an NFL team where the guys spend all day long at a training site in classrooms and on the practice field. They don't get that kind of time in college. So there is something, I think, to the fact that they just don't have the experience that the NFL guys do to make every situation go as smoothly as you think it ought to. Are you talking about the players? Well, it kind of, yeah. The, well, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say the players. Okay, fine. But I mean, yeah. that's the, what I'm the, talking the about. The coaches don't have that excuse. Yeah. But, but I, I'm sure they get frustrated sometimes that they feel like they probably have to tell the players everything in every situation, and sometimes they don't get it done. I just think that it's 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 probably a lot easier for the NFL coaches to get everybody on the same page doing what they want them to do than it is for a college team. Yeah, no, I, th- I understand where you're coming from on that. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-881-TMA5, EDF Group Text Inbox. It's the Mung and Ass 7 o'clock hour. Mung and Ass is online at stlouisaccurate.com and altontoyota.com, and there is a secret phone number, and that number is 314-252-0029. Uh, and you can go shopping at stlouisaccurate.com and altontoyota.com and work with the great Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, and Peter Munganast at Munganast St. Louis Acura. And Alton Toyota, sponsor of our 7 o'clock hour. Jackson, tell the people about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He's my guy. I know Doug works with him. Prod Joe works with him. And a ton of our listeners work with him. They all say the same thing. We love working with Mark Hanna because when you get on the phone with Mark Hanna, you're going to feel better getting off the phone than when you get on the phone. And to me, if you're looking for a financial advisor, something we all need, someone to help you plan for your financial future, because it can be daunting. But if you have somebody like Mark Hanna in your corner, it makes it a whole lot easier because of his ability to communicate his message to his clients, and if you need to get on the phone with Mark and change some up, uh, you, know, you want to change your plan, what you're saving for, so many variables in life, you get on the phone with Mark Hanna, you're going to feel better getting off that call than when you got on it. And to me, that is worth everything. That's why I work with Mark Hanna. It's exactly why you should work with Mark Hanna. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. And at Family Golf, we will have the TMA Hit and Giggle, presented mm. by Michelob Ultra. 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbohydrates. It's two weeks from Friday. You play in the Hit and Giggle, and then you head on down to Columbia, Doug, and see no, Brian do. Kelly, and maybe yeah. he'll play in the Hit and Giggle, maybe the 10 o'clock. You think he will. might be there? I could see it. It's brought to you by Michelob Ultra, benefiting the Megan Meyer Foundation. Go to tmastl.com to sign up. It's Friday, October 6th at Family Golf and Learning Center, your $55 ticket will include nine holes beer for Michelob Ultra and lunch or dinner depending on your tea time sign up as a threesome or sign up as an individual and you'll be paired Iggy will be hitting his 230 yard drive at around 230 I'll be gambling with the listeners in the short game area it's all on Friday October 6th at Family Golf and Learning Center presented to you by Michelob Ultra Family Golf is online at familygolfonline.com that short game area is glorious the turf is perfect on the driving range those west tees and those east tees ah yes Please. <laughs> and you expect people to Venmo you for rolls? Venmo for rolls. Venmo for rolls. Yeah. Like but, cinnamon rolls? Uh, bank rolls. Oh, bank rolls. Bank rolls. Yeah, right. it'll be a short game. I'll just chip. I'll putt. It doesn't matter. Let's just see what will happen. Uh, on October 6th at Family Golf and Learning Center. They're online at familygolfonline.com. Go out and get your work in as the weather is absolutely perfect. How great is this weather, Doug? What do we no. got here? Yeah, it is perfect. Another perfect week ahead, I think. Is that what we got? Yeah, yeah, like touching Oh my God. A, yeah, maybe. Is. 
Yeah, low 80s most of the week. Iggy, I don't see any precipitation through next Wednesday, according to my iPhone. Now, I know your forecast is much more dialed in, but uh, what do you got? Uh, just a slight chance of rain, middle of the week, but uh, that's about it. What do you have for an air quality index? Mm, good question. Uh, this time of year, good. It does say you know, good. Ragweed, ragweed's kind of gone. <laughs> you know, pollen just a little bit. Uh, this time of year with that cooler weather, that kind of goes away. But, uh, yeah, we're done with the 90s, Doug. You'll see no more 90s this That's year. That's it. It's over. Well, I, probably so, yeah. It's supposed to get to 85 tomorrow and Wednesday. It's getting close. But yeah, yeah, it feels like 90 ought to be done. By Low 80s. Now. But then after that, uh, we're probably in the 60s and 70s, and pretty soon will be jackets. Now, did you watch the game on Saturday's bat? I did. Any impressions? I can't add anything more than you guys added. Okay. You know, there were a couple of times in the first half where, you know, he passed on a 56-yard field goal and didn't go for it on fourth and three and just punted. I thought that was kind of dumb, but... Well, it's amazing what happens when Drinkowitz takes the uh, play calling out of his hands. And <laughs> yeah. I think Burden has more yards in three games than he had all last year. Yeah. Uh, I believe he is approaching his total for last year. by He's 50 yards short of it. Yeah. That little swing pass was kind of an indication of what he can do. A little that was sick. sideways pass. It looked like a nothing play. And he's just so much faster he's than everybody so else. Elusive. He ran around everybody. So elusive. And he's got unbelievable vision, too. It was a great block up in front of him. As well. Yeah, there was. That was a world-class yeah. block. But to Drink's credit, and maybe it's more Kirby Moore, but going forward on fourth and goal there had to be done had to be done and against middle tennessee state that was the kind of plays he was either kicking field goals or punting on so huge credit because if you don't have that brady cook good gadget play thing there uh, the whole game changes i would like to see them add a little bit at least one running back who's a little bit bigger than schrader and pete like when you need third and one or down around the goal line just somebody that's got a little bit of weight behind them yeah I mean, Pete, I think every Pete's team pretty strong. Pete, Pete can, I mean, Trader's strong too, but like Pete is a, he's a big boy. Yeah, but nothing not compared tall. to the guys they're trying to score against. Sure. I mean, some of the guys are 100 pounds heavier. I think it'd be great to have a, a battering ram type running back that you can put in there. Just You'd like Ironhead Hayward. Yeah, just a couple plays a game. I think every team would want that. How about Mevis? Just throw Mevis in the back. Well, he field. may not be fast enough, but uh, somewhere on that team, you got a defensive end or a middle linebacker or something or a tight end who could take a handoff and probably get you a yard. Terrius Robinson probably could. Yeah. Uh, Brian Henshin poses this question. Was Cook being booed before the game? I thought that was the cause of Drink's comments. Um, a number of people who are at the game says that just was not the case. But here is what Eli Drinkwitz Plowhawk. I don't know if you have this one. It is. Four. Uh, let's see. Jackson lists it as uh, clip four, drink as banty as I've ever seen him on oh, Mizzou really? fans booing Brady Cook before the game. Here it right. is. Yes, sir. I'm going to say it. It pissed me off when we booed our starting quarterback to start the game. That pissed me <laughs> off. <laughs> I like that twang. <laughs> and he went out there and played his butt off for this university and this team. They need to get behind him. We need to get behind the young man. You want to boo me? Fine. You don't boo the starting quarterback. Bull crap. Oh, I'll say it again. Should never happen. Well, I agree with him. Damn, he was. Did you hear the booze? 
I didn't. I, I read that, that when he was introduced that there was a smattering of booze. That's that, all. I just that's, read about that, it. But then, then, then the people at the game were saying, no, they were booing Drinkwitz. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. And that's who you so, should boo. Yeah. So that's... That's the thing. So well, I I don't know. So if, if anybody was there didn't can because I've read now again these are fans on you know take your pick of whatever. So who knows what's accurate? You know it's like a New York Post article somewhere saying on Twitter. I don't know, but they're saying I don't know what he's all upset about. We were at the game and nobody booed Brady Cook. There were boos at the end of the game, and there's no doubt in my mind what people were booing. The delay of game penalty. And understandably so. Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's what Brady Cook had to say about uh, the booze. Oh, okay. Hit the lever. Pause. I hear it. Um, I mean, it's hard. Um, yeah, this is my dream school. All I want to do is play quarterback here. I'd like if everyone else wanted me to play quarterback here, too. You know, that'd be a nice feeling. And, uh, you know, games like this probably could help. So I'm excited about that. He's absolutely right about that. Yeah. I freaking love this kid. I, 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 I do agree about the notion you should not be booing the starting quarterback. You should not be booing your own players, college players no less, when they run on the field. That's out of line. You never booed Tony Bank. No. The only thing his I th- dog felony. <laughs> the only thing I think you can boo is a lack of effort. If a guy's just being introduced or he makes a bad play, throws an interception, that's not a boo. If they're not trying... Then I think you can boo. But uh, nobody tries to play poorly. Was Drink uh, interviewed before or after Cook, do you know? Probably before. before Usually the coach after, talks yeah. first. All right, well, I guarantee you Brady Cook didn't even know they were booing him, but he heard his coach say they were booing him, so he had to answer the question. Larry Thornton, and I'm a lemming of Larry Thornton's, Doug, uh, he says, I didn't hear any boos for Cook. I think Drink is doing the Dion thing, trying to create an us-versus-the-world mentality. Uh, that is uh, from Larry Thornton. It's but he's aiming it at his own fan base. Yeah. It's not a Dion thing. Dion like to rile up the other fan base. Like he got, <laughs> like Drink kind of pissing off his own, yeah. Or Drink is covering his own ass. They were booing him, and he just said, don't do it to my quarterback. Well, they were booing you. Boo me if you want. Well, they were. I think it was a uh, an opportunity he saw to show to recruits that he's always going to back his guys, and that yeah. the clip's going to go viral, and it could you know get brownie points with, with some recruits. I don't think. I think it was blown out of proportion, and uh, it was an opportunity that Drink saw. It's but, even kind of odd to boo the head coach when you're 2-0, and isn't it? Mm-hmm. After that Middle Tennessee State game, all was warranted. Horn's definitely transferring, right? Or, like, just going to focus on baseball? Because Cook's going to play another year next year, right? I mean, he's not an NFL player. Well, you never know. He almost got knocked out of right. the game Saturday. As a running quarterback yeah. with a knee, knee issue, True. I'm anxious to see what his condition is going into uh, to yeah, this week. True. But Horn got in there for two snaps and thought that might have been a good opportunity, as you made reference to, to just throw it deep and see what would happen. Yeah, um, why wouldn't you? But... Uh, but, uh, you know, I just I, I thought it, st- it stood out to me, for me personally, this is only me, but when Chase Daniel, who has no reason to say anything otherwise, uh, was saying, I was in camp and I saw it and he's clearly the guy, you know, that, that, that comment stood out to me. Just based on what we had seen in the first two games, it didn't look like that. But again, you know, I know we talked about it last Monday, the play calling. And so then you're sitting there going, okay, I guess... They intentionally didn't show much in the first two games. And I suppose, why would you? And then I read an interview with the K-State. I guess it was their defensive coordinator. So we don't really know who we're preparing for because we wonder if they had been sitting on the playbook the first couple of weeks. And I asked Gabe about that. And I also thought the same thing that Gabe thought, which is 
it's one thing to sit on the playbook. It's another thing if you're in a tight game with Middle Tennessee, you go, okay, we got to bail. We got to use our plays here because we can't afford to lose yeah. this game. But based on the way they came out and that playbook was clearly opened up, I believe that was strategic. And you got to give credit to the coaching staff for that. And that starts with Eli Drinkwitz. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, your thoughts are welcome, 314-881-TMA5, and you can call in 636-9004-TMA. Email in for our design, air, heating, and cooling email today, the morning after at InsideSTL.com. Doug, take a look at this new shirt I'm wearing. What do you think I of it? I see it. Looks like the flag of St. Louis. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, yeah. with the TMA logo right. in, the, in the middle of it. It is available for you at TMASTLshop.com, along with our other new wares, TMASTLshop.com. Dot com is where you can find all of these in both hoodies and T-shirts. It's all there for you, and you get 10% off uh, at TMASTLshop.com. When you check out, it's TMASTLshop.com. This this T-shirt with the uh, City of St. Louis flag and the TMA mm-hmm. logo in there. Where the fle- Do you say fleur de lis or do you say fleur de lis? I say fleur de lis. Mm. But if we were French, would we say fleur de lis? I, I, don't, you just, I don't think you'd say What if you were Dutch? What if you were Dutch? Oh. You say Van Florida. <laughs> there we go, yeah. Uh, it's all available. TMASTLshop.com. Let's see what the people are saying in the text inbox. Uh, the only reason I can't root for Mizzou is because Elijah is a tool and I got a townie pregnant in Champaign, <laughs> oh. Illinois. That's from the recovering alcoholic from Belleville. <laughs> Remember we called them townies when we were in Columbia? If you go to a bar and you see someone that's not a student, oh, my God, that's a townie. Weren't they called Cutters in Bloomington, Indiana, and it was the basis for the film Breaking Away? Am I correct on that? I don't remember Somebody, Dennis Quaid. Am I correct on that? I don't remember. Cutters? What sense does that make? I don't know. That's what they call them in Bloomington because they can't call them Osiers. Oh, and something else. I saw that Beavis has got some cops. Beavis. Uh, Beavis. Beavis. Has got a, some copyright, and he, he on the spells kicker. Yeah, he spells it T H I C C E R. It's not T I C H T I C K E R. That's how the kids are saying it. What? Why, what difference does that make? Because the thicker you are, the more C's you get in thick. Think about that. Yeah, but that, what, what happened Gosh. to the K? They took I it can't, out. I can't. The entomology of it all. I, I, well, I don't like that entomology. Bring that out at Bring that out at ten oh one. I truly think oh, that's the, scream, the perfect I don't even way to describe this. But, yeah, that's just what that's what social media era. I don't know what you want me to do about it, but that is true. Yeah, he's got that and Money Meavis. I don't know if Money Meavis is going to stick, but thicker yeah. kicker rules. Money Meavis, uh, he does miss some. But I think the confidence you know I mean? thing like, for him. Jackson, is like, entomology yes. is a study of insects. <laughs> no, I think, what's the study? Of, isn't the study of the the progression of words? Is it's it not entomology, because I, I used to work in a bug spray factory, and they, one of the guys <laughs> there really? was... Yeah, one of the guys there was an entomologist. So E-T-Y, when you said that, like, oh, etymology. Et- etymology. Okay. Etymology. Yes. Sorry. Etymology is what I meant to say. The Can study of origin of words and the way in which their <laughs> meanings See, we are. we try to use a big fancy word, and it backfires on us. Etymology. Thank you, everybody. Okay. But the thing on the Mevis thing is, like, from 61 yards, when you're talking about, like, confidence, he's like, 
he's free rolling. If he misses it, he's expected to exactly miss a 60 right. yarder. If Couldn't he makes it, more. he's the hero. It's so like, like standing over a driver with uh, on a 300. You got to somehow hit it 280 or 300, whatever the hell you, you know. It was a long shot for you, but it's a wide open fairway. And you just absolutely haul back, and nobody's expecting you to do it. Yeah. That frees you up. I'm telling you, that kick, and you've talked about it, Jackson, at Auburn, it was a 20-yarder. He kicks that. They win the game. And I think that still has demons for him on the short kicks. But, uh, you know, he got a chance to kick a longer field goal earlier in the game, and it was like a knuckleball that nearly cut back Mm -hmm. in. But this thing was a missile. And the look on that K-State, the second number eight who was in the end zone, uh, as that thing sailed over, just absolute shock. I mean, they were getting ready for overtime on the K-State sidelines, yeah, and understandably sure. so. Absolutely, yeah. But then they would have got a second chance at it. Yeah, you're right. Shorter. Because of two number eights. Out I there. saw someone on Twitter say it would have been the most incredible ending had Mevis missed it short. The guy runs it back 108 yards oh, wow. to win, and then they retry and Mevis nails it. Or he made it, and the fans didn't know there was a penalty, and it would you know probably had to replay that uh, oh, an God, hour, that and, hour and a half later. Yeah. Oh my God! They take the goalpost out. That's what I was thinking was going to happen. <laughs> take the goalpost. That's post. what I was thinking <laughs> was going to happen. Plan them in. And it would have just been the ultimate textbook Mizzou North End Zone yeah. debacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. How did we not know Doug worked at a bug spray factory? That's from Steve and Wild when Doug. He's a chairman. Oh, it was a summer job in college. It was down there. Near uh, Family Golf, that uh, industrial complex back there. Mm-hmm. And I was on the assembly line for a bug spray factory. Wow. Just a summer job. Lavish. Yeah. Why didn't you stay there? Well, it was a summer job in college. <laughs> Lack of exposure. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. always want exposure. The exposure was not good. <laughs> not like full pran Exposure to DEET, maybe. <laughs> what were you yeah. putting together? Cans? Yeah, the can. Yeah, the cans would come down the assembly line, and a machine would spray the product into it, and we'd, we'd put the little sprayer in there and then someone would put the top on it and someone put the label on it you know kind of a mind-numbing job but i mean it paid pretty well at the time probably paid 250 an hour so i was walking tall cotton that's what jobs paid back then kind of a humble rug yeah and they have robots doing all that uh yeah probably probably yeah but we had an entomologist there. That's what, when Jackson said that. I said, that didn't sound right. It's, uh, yeah, my apologies. Entomology is what I was Okay. Is what yeah. I was meant to say. Okay. Uh, guys, we didn't know that Doug worked in a insect factory because he doesn't repeat his stories 200 times. Oh. That's from Mr. <laughs> <laughs> oh. you know, You know who's happy in the YouTube chat? No. Nate in Tallahassee. Really? Ew. Yeah, I know. I'm uncomfortable with it. Is I just, his I just... club is undefeated? Maybe maybe it's a maybe we'll get that Florida State Missouri matchup that we could have had in 2013 after all. Yeah, I picked Florida State to win it all this year. You did. Uh, congratulations to all Mizzou fans on that awesome win against a ranked team. It's nice to see the day is so happy. I can't. I mean, that is is that the real Nate in Tallahassee? It can't be. You know what else I noticed? They had a shot of the Mizzou sideline. Sam Horn had his helmet off. He looked just like Jackson with longer hair. Yeah. Yeah, my fellow, my guy doesn't need Sam's hair restoration at the moment. <laughs> Looks like sunshine. Yeah. Remember the Titans? He's got hell of a like sunshine. Hair. Was that? Uh, well, we just watched that the other day. Is that Jake Gillen? No, it no, wasn't no, Jake Gillen. No, no, no. Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. No, he was the 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 DB who was gettable. He was. Uh, I can't remember who played Sunshine. I'm um, looking it up now. Uh, Kip Purdue. Oh, Kip, Kip Purdue. Purdue. Oh, yeah. or was Ronnie Bass with the character name? Yeah, yeah, he looks a little bit like that, but... Tim, that's fake Nate in the YouTube. There's a fake Nate oh, in Tallahassee gosh. in the YouTube I've chat. thought of that. I, I've, I've always wondered if that is... He doesn't have any is. sort of clout, and he gets a fake name. 
Well, to be fair, we have a fake Arbor Day trying yeah. to win Lager Tequila. Well, at least you're trying to win a nice tequila. There was a fake Drinkwitz in the crowd. Did you see that shot of the crowd in the Mizzou section? There was some kid there. Dressed had like a, He it dressed just like Drinkwitz. Yeah, he had the visor and he had the headset on. He looked just like him, cheering, acting crazy. My buddy, it was my, a nice my, look. My buddy said drink is in desperate need of a uh, strategic beard. Oh, you talking? Is that the jawlines theory? Yeah. The Ali Marmol jawline theory? Yeah. yeah, he needs a strategic beard badly. <laughs> so I, what, why, why do you, you? So you grow a beard if you like have a second chin? Is that the deal? Well, yeah. Some people, you know, some people just don't have like a very defined jawline, or they've, you know, they've eaten a little bit and they have the jawline. <laughs> they've eaten a little bit. No. The jawline's like... kind of sunk into the rest of their the neck, and so you grow a beard to kind of create a jawline. Ali Marmol. He's one cigar away from going a third chin. <laughs> oh, right? he's not that fat. <laughs> no, no, but he's, it's just, it's all kind of collected right under the chin. So maybe a strategic beer, but much like me, he has some more hair color and also a, uh, a crown problem. Uh, maybe he cannot grow a beard. That's my thought. Well, he's 40 years old and making $6 million a year. I think he's pretty much got things figured out. Beard or no beard. Wouldn't we all like to be in his situation? Yes. <laughs> Bless me. Who's that? Sneeze. I thought you were laughing at Doug's statement. (laughs) Wasn't that funny? I thought it was a drop. Just a sneeze. It was a fantastic Saturday. I wish I'd been there. I wish I'd gone. Were you watching at home? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I watched every second of it. God, it was was such a great game. You just don't see college football games. In fact, I didn't see games at all earlier because they were blacked out. Yeah, it's true. But just in general. There weren't a ton of good games. I mean, Boston College came back. That was decent. But, I mean, the Colorado-Colorado State game was a great game. Yeah, I was Did you guys... by the time. But I thought that was – I thought what happened with Travis Hunter – I yeah. mean, you, sometimes guys will inadvertently get kicked out for a full, you know, game because of targeting. And you know it's not malicious. And that was absolutely malicious, that hit on Travis Hunter in the Colorado-Colorado oh, yeah. State game. Yeah, that was a little weird. And, little I mean, so he's out for a while. Totally, I mean, you know, if he's not their best player, he's one of their best players. He plays on offense and defense. And it materially alters the next couple of weeks in which they go to Oregon and they're at home against USC. And that was just a 100% garbage cheap shot. Defenseless. Colorado State allowed that crap that Colorado does, which, you know, whether you like it, whether you don't, they, they got 10 personal fouls. Yeah. <laughs> well played on managing your mm-hmm. emotions. Marks. All you were were marks for Colorado. Marks. But the thing is, when you're doing that crap and you're injuring a guy like that, yeah, that, I mean, is. that is absolute yeah. BS. The ball had already hit the ground when he hit him. That was one of the dirtier hits I've ever seen. And it honestly kind of maybe upset me. Like the whole Colorado bench is right there, and they just stand there. And They didn't just stand there. Well, Sanders was the first one to get to him. He was the guy who threw the ball. The yeah, Colorado. What are supposed to do? Come off the bench and get well, a penalty? Yeah. That, that, but like the rest the coach of the team. Did. The coaches were yelling at him, but I mean, they didn't come off the bench. If anything, it shows discipline on the part of Colorado, and then Shadur Sanders runs down there and gets in the guy's face. Yeah, I see oh, what you're saying. But like, punk, guys ooh. on the field, like I just I felt like everyone, I don't know. I feel, I feel like if that happens other places, there's Well, the officials lost that game, and they should have done something. Oh, yeah, you see, that, you see at the beginning of the game, there was jawing between Sanders and you know, because I guess he has some things to say, you know, but, well, you know, I guess the coach says something about take your hat off and sunglasses about Dion, and then he got into it and said, well, just keep talking about us, meaning we're going to kick your ass again when people talk about us. And then they were at midfield. They were pushing and shoving before the game even started. The fish just got them together and said, look, this ain't going to happen. 
this stuff starts happening, people are going to start I'm kicking people out. Yeah. It just went on the entire game. It used to happen before almost every Miami Hurricane game. Yeah, I know. Miami and Notre Dame with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> that, that <laughs> famous game in 1988. Did you guys happen to see any of the Alabama game? Uh, they had a rain issue. Down. I tried to watch it, but they had some kind of major technical problem with the TV. Oh, they had well, rain they, 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 once, once they had such bad storms in Tampa that they had to remove the cameras from the normal wells, so they had to run it like with that Oklahoma State gallagher Iba camera that's like just from yeah they had one at, at, from the end zone upper deck very top of the stadium from the end zone and another like upper deck at the 50 yard line but they they couldn't zoom in they weren't following the action it was really bizarre they I don't, it didn't make any sense because they let the fans back in and the game started but they said they haven't cleared the cameramen to go back in yet so there's nobody manning cameras right but for for what tv pays them to broadcast these games and really supply the money for college football, you'd think they would supply them with a, a spot inside the press box maybe so that the weather isn't a factor for at least one of the cameramen? So at least somebody can be there at the 50-yard line following every play? Is, is that hard to figure I out? they took them out of the stadium. Well, they shouldn't. They took them well, out they because they were out in the elements. Right, the cameras were in the elements. I'm saying at least one ought not to be out in the elements. You know, kick somebody out of the press box and make room for the camera that millions of people are trying to watch. Yeah, it was a boring game anyway. You didn't miss anything. Well, yeah. I wanted to see Alabama lose. That's why I, I hate watch Alabama. And I, <laughs> I wanted to see them get upset. Another thing on cameras, how come at Faroe Field we can't get camera operators to follow the game? Like, <laughs> I feel like every single game there's yeah. a throw that just stays on the quarterback and we don't see the action. Like at least once a game. Is it, I, I don't know if it's something about Faroe Field or something with the <laughs> – the SEC network, but I feel like yeah. every game it happens. And they were showing the LSU game while the Mizzou yeah, audio was on. <laughs> Mizzou, yeah, yeah that happened for a while. On. Well, well like, you know, remote cameras have been a thing for years. You can't get one or two remote cameras that don't require a camera operator somewhere undercover so that when a game is on network TV, it can't continue to be shown. That blows my mind that that's where they are. Looks like something that would have happened in the 1960s. Yeah, I like that Booger McFarlane on his... Uh roving camera going back and forth, making a fool of himself. I don't know what that... Remember that on Monday Night Football? Yeah, he had like a little... They uh, put Booger McFarlane up in like some some roving cameras. I'm down here in the 40. That was one of the worst ideas I think he has... I mean, that says a lot. That's what that that led to them paying a lot of money to get Joe Buck and Troy Aikman because they're tired of the tryout process. Oh, my God. I just can't imagine how hard it would be to get at least one remote-controlled camera undercover that you could continue to show the game. Maybe they'll do it now, because that was un- completely unacceptable. Well, that, it was weather, Doug. It's... Well, I know it was weather, but there's, there's places where you can take the weather out of it. That happens once every, what? It should never happen. games it, to a it team. It can never happen, because it's too easy to prevent it. We were talking about fans roaming the, or storming the field. I get why they did it in Mizzou. I, I don't understand Colorado. You're a 15th-ranked team in the country playing an unranked team. You're a 25-point favorite, and you storm the field after a victory. I think after those hits and cheap shots about from Colorado State, I think of more of the fans shoving it in Colorado State's yeah. face. I don't like, you know, I just, I'm not a huge fan of storming the field, but I think they did that out of just pissing off the Colorado State players. Now that it's kind of a thing to storm the field, it could be every time you kind of have a walk-off win like that, the field is going to be stormed. Yeah. I said them for later in the year. I just because you never know what teams are at the time. 
you know. Yeah, but the mob mentality doesn't think that way. True. Oh, there's so many celebrities down on Colorado's sideline that they all want to storm the field and hope they can meet the Rock or something. That was sick. What Colorado is doing is so fun. Like People are watching, man. This is what the NIL is all about. You it's, get it's, celebrities, a, it's such a shame that a cheap thing. shot is—I mean, if they, listen, if they can win at Oregon and at home against USC without Travis Hunter— then holy crap, because that guy could be in the mix or would have been in the mix. I don't think he will be now because he's going to miss a lot of time for the Heisman Trophy. He's an offensive star. He's a defensive star. And now he's not going to be able to play because of that crap. I mean, that is, that is brutal. And the head coach of Colorado State, Mike Norvell, is that right? Or is that the head coach of Florida State? I think it's Jay Norvell. Jay Norvell. Yeah. You know, I, I get what he was doing. And, and then their whole thing is blue collar and they show up to work. And that was what he was doing and talking to his team and then Colorado got it and then used it and that's fine that's that's all part of the psychology as we've said Kirby Smart last year told his team that they were disrespected throughout the year even though they were number one throughout the year but so whatever games you got to play fine but the head coach of Colorado State you want to talk about coaching malpractice and Drinkwitz's delay a game to have that many personal fouls and just lose control in a game that you should have won without that crap going on. I mean, that's coaching malpractice. Three one four eight eight one TMA five six three six nine zero zero four TMA and email in the morning after at insidestl.com. If you're injured in an accident, things can spiral out of control quickly. You might have medical bills piling up. You might not be able to work or provide for your family, and you're probably getting the runaround from the insurance company you've been talking to. Do not fight this fight alone. C.D. Longo and Doug Biggs of the Longo Biggs Injury Law Firm will take all the complication and hassle out of your injury claim. They will deal with the insurance company and take the fight head-on, allowing you to get back to what's important, which is recovering from your injuries. They are TMA listeners, they are local, and they will be the ones handling your case. They're trial lawyers, meaning they won't settle if there's an obstacle or complication in your case. In fact, most cases have them, and Doug and CD will overcome those obstacles and take your case all the way to trial if necessary. It's Longo Biggs Injury Law online at longobiggs.com. L-O-N-G-O-B-I-G-G-S dot com. Longo Biggs Injury Law accepts personal injury, wrongful death, brain injury, and other catastrophic injury cases. Remember, the choice of an attorney is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. Send your emails in for our design, air, heating, and cooling email of the day. The morning after at InsideSTL.com. Seth Goldcamp and his staff will take great care of you. Make the switch to design air if you haven't already. Whenever you run into problems with your heating and cooling system, make sure that you go to DesignAirService.com and you're working with Design Air Heating and Cooling. Seth is fourth generation Design Air Heating and Cooling, and those service techs will be out there quick, fast, in a hurry with no upselling. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at DesignAirService.com. The official HVAC provider of TMA and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. And Doug is a client, and I am a client, and we couldn't be happier clients than we are with Design Air Heating and Cooling. Online at designairservice.com, the official HVAC provider of TMA and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Send your emails in. Current standings for the Design Air Heating and Cooling email of the month. JV Golf Coach with five wins. Buck Swope with two. Shooter McGavin with one. Ellen Foley with one. And there's that Tinky Monster. Mm. It won. It won. Just lurking. 
dangerous tinky monster. Mm-hmm. Gabe DeArmond will be with us at 9 o'clock, brought to you by James Carlton. James will be in studio as well. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. That's at 9 o'clock. Design air, heating, and cooling email of the day coming your way at 945. Uh, Warson Woods Wacko is making demands for Stephen Wildwood to send him money. Uh, he has sent that in many times. I don't know if there's a there. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is with that, Doug. But I think I have some insight and I can explain it. But I'll do it on the other side of the commercial. Oh, right. Color oh, me teased. It's Ryan Kelly morning after from the Michelob Ultra Studios.